Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's good, Internet? You're listening to the Syrupcast. Uh, this is episode 156 of the podcast. We're recording this week's episode on Thursday, January 25th. The Syrupcast is a podcast devoted to hosting intelligent and sometimes funny discussion related to the Canadian tech and telecom ecosystem. This week, I'm joined by old reliable Patrick O'Rourke. Patrick, how are you? I'm good, but I wish I was sailing a giant virtual ship instead. Don't we all? Yes. We have also Rose, uh, I write checks, not leaked memos, Bihar. How are you? I, actually, I write both. You I'm do? Great. Thank okay. You. Okay. You're leaking memos as well? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Good to know. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, we have Josh, the pizza mercenary, McConnell. How are you, sir? Good. I have not had pizza yet this week. But have you sold some of your stories for pizza? The money will be used for pizza at some okay. point. Okay. Yes. This Everything is, is right in the universe. Yes. Uh, this week, we're talking about the recent uh, Rogers sales drama, and our, an interview our friend Josh did here with uh, one Timothy Donald Cook. Uh, Rose, as usual, you covered a lot of the Rose, uh, excuse me, the Rogers scandal, one might say. Um, can you just give us the lowdown, and then we'll jump into questions? Absolutely. So the Rogers scandal followed the Bell scandal just previous, both of them to do with uh, representatives on the phone um, speaking with CBC and saying that there was a high-pressure sales environment and that they felt compelled to sell very heavily to, um, in particular, people who uh, were seniors or English was their second language, make uh, sales and deals that they weren't comfortable with to make their numbers. Um, this is not exactly new. We have heard this over the years. I mean, big surprise, salespeople are pushy. Big surprise, uh, environments can get toxic. But um, it, it reared its head again in a major way. And CBC included a lot of sources uh, from the call centers who spoke out about it. So subsequently, they denied having a high-pressure sales environment. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's been a little bit of a thorn in their side lately. They didn't address it today on their, their earnings call, though. It didn't really come up, even with the investor questions. So... Um, yeah, the question now is whether it will actually affect very much, but um, it, it, right now it looks like they're not going to address it further. Hmm. And I alluded to a memo. Would you like to just briefly mention that? Yeah, absolutely. So we've been speaking to some sources, um, and some sources with knowledge of the matter uh, provided us with an internal memo from Roger's CEO, Joe Natale, in which he addressed those reports. So he sent out a memo saying, and you can read this on our site, um, you know, yesterday reports came out from CBC that we do this. This is not the kind of organization that we are. We're dedicated to transparency. We're dedicated to putting the customer first. That's our mandate. If you feel uncomfortable, 
hey, just talk to your manager or call up this HR number, mm-hmm. which, you know, as some people have brought up, uh, people are still nervous to do that, right? When you mm-hmm. when you get asked to, to call your like HR manager, you're like, well, I don't know how this is going to bode for my job. Most um, HR managers aren't on your side. They're on the company's side. Right? And that's, so, you know, yeah. and that's the common saying, right? Yeah. So um, that's, that's the memo that they put out. Apparently there were multiple memos and there have also been town hall meetings where um, a CEO, Natalie, he, he's speaking to different to the employees and ask, answering questions. And we know he, he came from TELUS previously. He was the CEO there. Um, we know he is a, his, a long-term focus of his has been customer service. Hmm. TELUS is rated pretty highly amongst the three uh, big companies, the big carriers for customer service. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, you know, it makes sense that he's taking this seriously and perhaps has has things that he'd like to change in the future about it. Uh, Josh, as someone who doesn't, mostly you cover tech as opposed to telecom, what's kind mm-hmm. of your kind of surface level read of all of this? Well, in a past life, mm-hmm. I was I spent many years at, at Future Shop as mm-hmm. I was paying the bills, going through school, um, and very similarly, like high high pressure sales environment. Uh, it was the same thing where the company was like, this is not a high pressure sales environment, but frontline wise, it definitely was. Uh, I was not one of the employees that were on commission, but just seeing the employees that were and seeing the pressure that they were under. Um, so I kind of see, I can see both sides. So on the one hand, on a surface level, and again, I don't claim to be an expert on this story like Rose is, but on a surface level, there's the concern of, you know, the elderly and, 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 you know, the more vulnerable and that's, and, and, and going after them. Um, but outside of that, if it's just like, you know, a student who gave in to a, a salesperson who's applying pressure, it's like, you have the ability to say no. So there's also that element too, that I, I think, so it's kind of like that I can see both sides. So I've seen firsthand employees that get this pressure are told this isn't pressure, say, talk to HR and then nothing gets done, and that's just the way it is. So this thing's been around for a while, and it's not surprising to me. Uh, but at the same time, I do kind of like, I don't know, like some of the, just the, the the public's feedback of, yeah, you know, they just they just pressure us all the time. It's like, well, just just say no then. Like mm-hmm. they can't force anything on you unless you know, unless they do, right? Yeah. Like unless they really really do, and they just camera it out, but then hang up the phone and the call. Because I know I've been at the other end, and I'm just like, no, I don't want it, kind of thing. Unless it comes up without them me giving the approval, that's a different different question. Well, I just yeah. hang up. I mean, I yeah. think that's part of the question is um, not giving approval and still adding things onto the account. Yeah. And uh, so that that does ha- I think that's come up in the reports, mm. and it's also something I too have in the past life worked uh, on the front lines with Rogers and Bell. And um, I've had different experiences. So I know what you mean as well. Like I've had some experiences where the team, the culture was not toxic and we weren't encouraged to, to sell so strongly that we didn't feel we had to cut corners. But I've also worked on teams where cutting corners was encouraged for mm. the benefit of that particular team to get their bonus yeah. and that sort of thing. And that can include... Um, things that are maybe could be perceived as approval, 
but yeah. are really on the the midway point between yeah. approval and and somebody just saying i guess we could do that you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah and i saw that too at, at future shop yeah. when i was there it was the same deal they need to hit x amount of cables so yeah. well you know what how about we we discount the tv for the price of the cable so really you're getting it for free and then it helps their numbers everyone wins totally. and, that's a great strategy yeah, yeah like and but that kind of, that's the kind of stuff that would happen yeah. all the time and 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 so so don't get me wrong i'm not saying like i'm not saying i i, I liked the culture or anything i i was always the one that would push back on the managers and be like calm down a little bit like this is like you say it's not high pressure you're being pretty high pressure and i knew i could say it because i wasn't one of the guys on commission um, so I definitely like don't think oh it's just the way it goes and I I personally feel it should just be gone completely like I don't in this day and age you don't need that kind of culture anymore at workplaces. You mean commission in general because that's kind of an interesting concept. Just just the the pressure to it like yeah. there should be like if you're a good salesperson yeah. it's going to come and that and you would see that too with certain people like the good yeah. honest ethical ones totally. they were the ones that strived anyway. Uh, so I think there kind of needs to be this kind of reboot of this high pressure environment it, just because it's always been there doesn't mean it's cool that's right yeah. but again i don't claim to know the story mm-hmm. in and out like rose does this is just mm-hmm. me very service level <laughs> oh, i mean your experiences are really relevant to it and that is what a lot of uh, people you know have been have been saying well i don't feel i'm pressured i do I really do think it comes down to individual circumstances in mm. terms of the teams that's the issue it might be pervasive it might be these particular teams. It's kind of hard to say in that sense. Yeah, totally. Although, you know, the call centers are usually generally pretty large and contained in, in certain areas. So mm, if mm. there is a certain culture, it's likely seeping through an entire call center. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's difficult to it's difficult to say just how pervasive the issue is. Mm-hmm. I think, though, that we get some indication of it from the readers who are saying, well, I got these services and I didn't even want them. And it, you know, it became this and this. Yeah. Um, Pat, you know, it seems to me like in just listening to what Rose and Josh have talked about that, is there like necessarily a fix for this issue in the sense that like, you know, companies are going to try and sell you on stuff, right? Yeah. As long as capitalism exists, this is not necessarily a problem that's going to go away and you know recently i think uh, the piac asked the crtc to look into how carriers conduct sales do you think is this investigation both by the cbc and mobile serp going to spark any change or is this something that i mean carriers want to sell things mm-hmm. right like their companies that's not going to stop um and a way to do that is to incentivize sales associates and customer service reps through commission mm-hmm. um I think that's a common practice. I, I guess what I would like to see and probably what would help the sort of high-pressure environment problem is having uh, maybe clearer rules and regulations about what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. Um, and I would say that should apply specifically even more so than like Rogers internal to the the like third parties that they deal with to sell stuff. Because um, I've just as a customer been in situations where I've been straight up lied to by a customer service rep from one of these third parties and had um, stuff added to my account that they told me was free. And then it turned out that it renewed my plan for X number of months or something like that. And if I had known that I never would have taken them, uh, taken the, the, the upgrade or whatever they were offering me. Um, so I mean, clearer regulations of some sort is all I can think that would solve it. And even then I'm sure that, a lot of the reps will operate outside of those regulations in order to get sales, in order to get commissions. So 
um, it's sort of this uh, this problem that I don't really know if it has a, a clear solution to it. I, Anything to add? I think Pat brought up a one interesting point that we have um, looked into a little bit, started looking, looking into, which is the difference between sales reps and customer care reps. So Rogers responded to one of our articles, uh, our request for comment with the statement that they have 800 sales reps, but they have many, many more customer care reps, and they're, they're, they don't have sales targets. Um, we've heard varying things from people who actually are customer care reps, though. So we're trying to get down to the d- nitty-gritty of, do they have people on the phones who actually aren't compelled to sell? And I think that could be a potential solution, right? If they had some, um, if they had some employees who are not uh, compelled to sell whatsoever, and if people did want services, sending them to these sales representatives. Again, we don't know exactly how that works at this point, but it is. I think if, if that system was enforced, it would be pretty helpful to the whole situation. I also don't know. Like, I I don't think that this is just an issue in telecom. I think like I have uh, multiple banks calling me frequently, offering me services. Uh, many of them call me at the same time every day, even though I've told them to remove me from their call list because it's a third party that's trying to sell, I don't know, some premium account or some investing thing. Baller. Exactly. Yeah, straight baller, apparently. <laughs> I, I don't think they've looked at my actual bank <laughs> yeah. account before offering it to me. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's like a... It's not even just a telecom industry problem. It's like a, a broader, a broader issue. Just retail as well. Yeah, like that's what my experience was in. And I don't know what the solution is, but uh, it it sucks to be the person being sold to, and I'm sure to some extent it sucks to be the person selling. I was always the guy that's like self serve everything. So if like you know, I would go to at the time Best Buy over Future Shop because I could get in and out and. I knew what I wanted. Like I didn't need the information. So that, so if, if, if you kind of know what you want, then I love the self-serve stuff. So if, if the telecoms give me the full ability to add and take away and get deals and just self-serve it, perfect. And, and you know, online shopping, all that kind of stuff. And some of them do for most stuff. And, but that's the thing, not everything. And yeah. that's kind of where they get you. But I always thought like, if I know what I'm doing, then just give me the ability to, to, to add stuff it, on. Yeah. But, I mean, then there's that whole thing like, oh, you know, online versus physical and eliminating jobs. But, and but Josh, then they can't sell you things. <laughs> Are they going to sell you things through pop-up ads? Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rose, in the short term, do you see anything coming out of this? Um, there's potential. There's always potential when there are lot, lots of reports and there's a big enough public scandal that something could potentially you know, change. Um, unfortunately, what we don't have is it, or what we seem not to have is an extremely engaged CRTC, uh, chair at the moment. Um, we did, if we had Jean-Pierre Blay, I'm, I'm sure he would be moved to be doing planning something at the moment. I'm not sure the same is with, uh, the same goes for Ian Scott. So would he be flipping tables? <laughs> You'd be asking Merlin, his little Merlin figurine, what to do mm-hmm. because everything had already happened. Do you remember, already. Do you remember when we cut. had that headline with uh, something with John Pierre Blaze and yeah. being Merlin? That was a good day. It was a good day. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, from Sword in the Stone? Yeah. He turns out he's a big Merlin fan and had like a figurine yeah, of Merlin yeah. who he uh, would ask questions to nice. or like he, Merlin would help guide him through the world of Canadian telecom. <laughs> <That's> so weird. <laughs> I just do that to Amir. 
<laughs> I just ask questions and see what the answer is. So speaking of mirrors, before you interviewed uh, Tim Cook, did you practice your questions on a mirror? <laughs> no, I don't. I didn't actually. Uh, yeah, I just like write them out and just see if I remember them and, and okay. wing it. That's usually my interview strategy. Okay, and how was the interview? <laughs> no, it was good. So so basically he um, he came... So let yeah, lay down the context for us, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So it so he made a surprise visit to Canada, Toronto specifically, uh Monday. And um I don't have the exact date in front of me, but I'm assuming this will go up the same week. So we'll just say Monday. But he came came in Monday and um yeah, and so we started so I was the only uh so there was only two of us that got to speak with him. There was a broadcast person and then myself. And so I also got to um, go with him to Shopify to check out some of this, the AR work that they're doing and trying to release new tools to their merchants and how they can interact with AR and VR, which was pretty cool. So it was you know Apple, Shopify, and me there to see that. And then we went over to the Eaton Center and we surprised a, a grade seven uh, workshop that was being done because they have their, um, their, their coding, like today in Apple coding. 
<laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was cool. And I also I just uh, asked them about Apple Music as well because they're they're doing a lot of just TV shows and and getting those rights now and stuff. And so he said that that music is is part of Apple's DNA and and that music will always be the center of Apple Music. Uh, but he, they know that their their listeners like to get some of these extra things to add. You know context or or get more information behind the artist so they'll do more you know interviews with zane or they'll do more music related tv shows more carpool karaoke he brought that up specifically as well actually he's like because you just he's like you just don't know you know you might get two people that just wouldn't expect that pairing so it's pretty exciting um was there one uh like answer that stood out in particular um so one one thing that so I did really like to get into the the whole notion of um, hardware and software because I've been following that beat for a bit. So I, I talked to Microsoft's CEO and Panos Panay about the making of, of the Surface, and I'd be talking to you know Google's Mario. Um, oh, I can't remember his last name right now, but on the Pixel and some of the oh, stuff. Like they're doing. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so I've been kind of like following this whole notion of of hardware and software integration. So he basically said that. Um, you know, they've been doing this for so long now, decades now. Uh, he welcomes the competition and, and that it only makes things better for everyone. Uh, but he said the magic happens with that intersection of hardware and software. And if it was easy to do and if these skills could just be purchased by people that have a lot of money or companies that have a lot of money, then a lot of rich companies would already be doing it and doing it well. Uh, so he seems to have a lot of confidence in, in that. Uh, you know, Apple is going to keep excelling in, in this space and, and having this kind of magic you know, bread and butter, basically, of, of, of hardware meets software. Um, but he says, he's, you know, he, he, likes, he likes the competition and he likes, likes seeing them enter the space. Did you ask him, I'm like really curious, did you ask him about like the quality of the software? Because I think, you know, I think most people would agree that it's kind of dipped mm. uh, in his kind of stewardship of Apple. Yeah, we didn't, uh, admittedly, like we didn't get into that too much. Um, you know, he's, he's come out and said recently that, you know, there's going to be updates and things are going to get fixed and just more recently. But no, we didn't, we didn't get into that. Cause you know, that's something that, that we've even talked about. Like, like I've noticed it too. And, and we all kind of noticed that there are a lot more, more bugs lately. And, and, and I don't even think that's, you know, subjective. I think it's pretty factual that there yeah. are a lot more bugs. So, um, but no, unfortunately I, I did not. Fair yeah. I, I've been thinking about that quite a bit just cause I saw uh, the many YouTube videos where people were, the headline of a bunch of videos was like iPhone X canceled um, because there was those KGI security reports again that came out that Apple's uh, moving on from the iPhone X. They're taking those features and they're adding them to a new device. So like it's technically canceled, but it was mm. never supposed to be more than more than an anniversary device. Mm. Um, so I, I, I've been thinking about that quite a bit lately and I'm wondering if the some of the software problems just stem from the fact that they have so many devices and so many platforms now. Undercook, like there's there's the Apple Watch, there's Watch OS. That that's a totally new uh, sort of entrant into into Apple's ecosystem. Um, and and I mean they have so many varied products too, like the various different iPads. There's the iPad Pro, the regular iPad. I almost feel like they offer too much choice to consumers now. You know what I mean? Like there's too much on the plate. Like I, I kind of liked it when they had very specific, um, very specific devices available. Now, also, we so we talked about um, just Canada in general as well, yeah. and and he, he one of the things he said. So I asked him, what does he think of of Canada? What comes to mind first? So he was like spirit, energy, 
um, diversity, hockey. <laughs> Those were the main things that first came to of course, mind. Yeah. But he's like, as soon as you get off the plane, you feel these things. And he said, there's a, and when it comes to the app economy, there's about 120,000 jobs in Canada right now directly related to, to Apple's app store. So that's anything iPad and iPhone and, and those stores. And that can be developers, that can be, you know, um, editors, that could be videographers, photographers that do stuff as long as it's directly related. So there's 120,000 jobs. And that was a new stat that they just released on, on Monday as well, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, so just directly related to Apple's app store, about 120,000 in Canada. Hmm. Do you guys want to ask anything? Um, well, so you said he was charming, but is he like Steve Jobs charming? Um, no, like in a different, like, you know, at least cause I, I've never met, I never met Steve Jobs, but you know, he, J- Jobs was passionate, um, hard to call about like charming per se, like on stage, he was a very good showman. Um, and there's, you know, and, and he'd have his different personalities would come out. Whereas Tim just is just genuinely charming like he just seems like a, just a nice down-to-earth guy you know you know obviously it's apple like he's got he's has secrets hiding but he seems relatively transparent like you know you what you see is what you get kind of guy uh, whereas i think jobs would have been a little bit more not that <laughs> i also feel like you know cook has that southern hospitality whereas jobs is like was like so intense right <laughs> yeah and this is it too and you heard stories and and you know, everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. And, um, yeah, and that would be, I mean, one thing I did notice um, just like on part of the tour is there was um, like a Steve Jobs book on a bookshelf as they were leading to. I wonder if it was strategically placed. Yes. Knowing Apple, like, I'm sure they literally like Steve Jobs stuff all over the place. Well, no, well, so this is the, the interesting note is that um, the book was on the bookshelf yeah. next to like a couple similar books. And it was kind of like pointed at as like, oh, you shouldn't have had that there for oh, his walk. Really? Um, so I don't know what that was just something like I kind of like I noticed in the tour huh. it was interesting. So I don't know if if it's so I think and and which in my opinion is completely fair because you know Steve is one person, Tim's another person, and they had different characters, different characteristics, sure. different, different strengths and weaknesses, uh, and so. And I, it's not that, you know, Tim lives in the shadow of Steve Jobs or anything. He's, he has taken the company from, you know, like a business point of view through the roof. Like it's one of the most valuable companies in the world. It might be the first trillion dollar company uh, yeah. in the U.S. So, um, so, so I think it's kind of like it, it, it's almost like trite now, like just like, oh, let's just throw this Steve thing out there. And, 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 and so I actually kind of like, you know, felt for Tim a little bit, too. And I saw that I was like, oh, like, oh, OK. And so it was. So that was one one thing from the trip that I kind of noticed that was interesting. The one question that I have that I know everybody is wondering, but they're not going to ask. So I'll be that guy. Does he look as ripped in person as he does during keynotes? As ripped? Yes. He, he looks very in shape. Yes, that's what I mean uh, by ripped, buff, swole, if you will. I, you know, I didn't really notice. Okay. You know, like okay. I didn't. I didn't really look. Uh, like he definitely looks like he's 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 fit for okay. sure. He's cool. definitely in shape. Cool. Uh, but I wasn't like scoping him out too much in terms of like can I can I see the see his muscles going through his the shirt definition or of his yeah, muscles. Yeah. Okay. But he definitely is very very fit. Generally. Good to know. Good to know. Yes. I'm great. Very know. nice guy. You're very different from us here at Mobile. Sir. <laughs> yes. we, we have a, a factor called 
the C tech CEO swole factor, uh, which we <laughs> posit they exactly. Well, that's true, but we posit that they all glow up once they become a CEO. And by we, glow up, I mean get fitter. We've had many, many, yeah. many conversations about this. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, I see. No, he's, I mean, he was always, he's always been fit, though. I find. So, uh, I mean, what what are some of the examples of 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 swole CEOs? Like, I know there's Jeff Bezos. We we were talking about uh, at and one point. There's also um, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, he yeah, also yeah, did yeah. a glow up. He's he's very ripped right now. I'd say he's one of the more muscular ones. We also have yeah. Satya Nadella. Now he's maybe not muscular, mm-hmm. but he hired a stylist and he got slimmer since becoming mm-hmm. a CEO, and he looked great. I also when I also interviewed him, I did actually notice like, oh yeah, he looks he's a pretty fit. Anytime I interview these CEOs, I'm beginning to realize how much more I need to go to the gym. <laughs> That's kind of what I when I've interviewed interviewed a few very fit CEOs now, and uh, they got a team. They got a team that makes it happen. I need to get a team. There's also that exec from Microsoft. He like dropped like a hundred pounds. Terry Myerson. Terry Myerson. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Terry. He. He also, I think, hired a stylist because he was looking banging. Yeah, Phil, very good example of a glow up. For Phil sure. Spencer like went the other way when he took over uh, Microsoft. He just got a team to get him um, various indie game shirts. Nice, <laughs> that's important as well. There you go. When when I interviewed Phil Spencer. I guess he was briefed on me, yeah. and uh, the first thing he said when he came out, he's like, hey, it's the pizza guy. I love pizza. I'm like, we're going we're gonna to get along. <laughs> they give him like a fact sheet with like specific things <laughs> yeah. that you're interested in. Pizza. Pizza. Yeah. Pizza. So he had me ask him what his favorite pizza was, and he made sure he said Hawaiian with Canadian bacon. Nice. Cool. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah. That is media training. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you to ask me a question? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. Uh, on that note, uh, we should probably wrap up. Shoutouts this week. Um, I guess my shout-out goes to um, the movie Call Me By Your Name. I saw that yesterday, and it was really touching, really nice romance for people who are into that. And it just kind of, yeah, I think it's been the highlight of my week so far. Amazing. Oh, switch shout-out. I don't have one this week. I think I think my shout-out goes to Rare for releasing Sea of Thieves and fulfilling my dream of becoming a virtual pirate. Um, do dreams do come true? It's basically the game that I've always wanted. Even it's in a, 2018, I know it, it's probably the one good thing. Oh well, this year's this year's still new. <laughs> it's like the movie critics who, uh, in the second week of Jan or the week of January, I heard it so many times. Like this is the movie of the year. <laughs> I'm like, sea it's of thieves. Two weeks is yeah. the best game of the year. <laughs> um, no, it's it's definitely not that, but it's it's a good time and it's a different a different type of game. Um, it's first person. You essentially sail ships with a group of people, but it's collaborative uh the sailing process like people have to take on different roles um but it's it's a very different kind of game and it's and it's nice to see that in the industry for a change josh mine is going to go out to justin timberlake who as i was walking in released another new song say something which is pretty catchy a little bit more country uh he did he's has the surprise album coming out dropping a new video and song each week until the actual album comes out i already have my concert tickets i don't know if you do so shout out to JT. Was the new song as bad as the first one? Because I hated the that first song. One. No, I think it's gotten better. Like the second one was was not bad. Yeah, this yeah. is different. Uh, true story. When once JT called me, he's like, Josh, I've got this song about you. I, I'm not gonna pay you for it, but it's called Sexy Back, and it's gonna be big. And I was like, Oh, thanks, Justin. That's that's very nice. So every time you hear Sexy Back, just you know, know it was about me. And uh, that, that's my shout out to JT. That's a really interesting musical yeah. history tidbit. Yeah. That cool. is my hashtag fact as well. 
I wish I had something funny to say to all of this, but I don't. So instead, I'll just do my shout out, which is goes to the Toronto Public Library, which just signed up for Canopy, uh, which is a streaming service where you can watch movies and documentaries. And it is absolutely free if you have a library card, which is also conveniently free. Uh, so if you don't have a library card, what are you doing with your life? The one in Toronto is the public library system, I should say, is one of the best in North America, and they just made it better. Um, if you don't follow uh, Mobile Syrup uh, on your social media network of choice, you should. We are at Mobile Syrup. Where can we find everyone else? You can find me on Twitter at Rose Bahar. You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore O'Rourke and uh, on Mobile Syrup. Fancy that site. Never heard of it. I, I don't know what it is either. I think yeah. it's about uh, the, the maple syrup industry in Quebec. I was going to say I had some mobile syrup on my pancakes this morning. Mm. So what did you do? You like move the syrup around? <laughs> you put continue, continue, yeah, sir. I just walked around the room a little bit with maple syrup and, and then, <laughs> and then you put it on the pancake. <laughs> I like that. Uh, you can find me at uh, joshmcconnell.com or on Twitter at joshmcconnell. And uh, now that you're a mercenary, where uh, have your pieces recently appeared? What should uh, we be looking for? So, uh, so far, Canadian Press, uh, Financial Post. I also just had, on top of the, the Tim Cook articles, I also just um, have a piece about interviewing the CEO of Dyson and then also mm-hmm. Sir James Dyson's son, who's their R&D director, about how they want to be known as a tech company, not just a vacuum company, and then also how they're sliding into the electric vehicle space. So cool. that landed on FP. Uh, and also I had a little thing on imore.com. Mm-hmm. And who knows where else? On that note, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week when uh, who knows what will happen in Canadian's telecom. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.